Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with my next guest, Jonathan Van Arsdale. So Jonathan is a transformational coach and a bodybuilder. And today we're going to dive into his world and get his story. He's got some really interesting things that have been going on in his life, as well as a very cool vision that he wants to bring into fruition. So thanks for being with us today, brother. I appreciate you jumping on. Hey, thanks for having me, Jason. Really appreciate you doing this. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to meet more people, talk with you a little bit and uh, yeah, share my message. Yeah, man. I think you have a really interesting story based on our little uh, pre-interview chat. So I'd really like to start at the beginning and I know you have a hard out, so we may not get to go as deep as I'd like today, but maybe we could do a part two at some point. But uh, tell me a little bit about your upbringing, man. Where are you from? What was child life like for you coming up? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So I was, uh, you know, in a military family, military brat. Um, what I like to tell people is, you know, my dad was army, his dad was army and his dad was army. Um, so kind of like Lieutenant Dan, except, you know, my whole family, they all fought in every major war and then lived at least every major modern war <laughs> and lived. Um, and then, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting, you know, we got to travel. I was pretty blessed. I got to travel around a bit, got to live in Europe even. And then, um, you know, my, uh, you know, notice my dad was traveling quite a bit for work. He was, he was taken off for what they call uh, TDY quite a bit. And I saw him less and less uh, as I was a kid. And then uh, around age, it was age 13, my parents got divorced. They let me know they're getting divorced. Uh, my dad uh, ended up getting remarried inside of that same year. Um, and then I still remember very vividly, you know, him telling me, Jonathan, this is your new family. And he wasn't saying my mom wasn't. He was just saying, this is your new family as well. And I just remember how much, you know, how pissed I was, how much, you know, resentment started bottling up in me. And I didn't really know what that was, you know, at 13 years old and, and didn't really know what was going on with me. And, you know, I remember it wasn't, uh, you know, certainly my mom wasn't sure how to handle that very well either. And uh, being in a military family, especially in the Army, you know, he grew up with uh, basically one emotion that was okay to show, and that was anger. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was, anger's okay for men, because sure. men can be angry, you know, that's a very military thing, and that's, you know, we get a lot of, a lot of shit done by being angry. So, beyond, <laughs> we didn't really take it beyond that, though, like, where does the anger come from? What's underneath that? Mm-hmm. And that's just how it would come out. And so I didn't really know how to deal with that anger I was experiencing or what was going on there. So a lot of times I just kind of swallowed that, you know, I just kind of stuffed it down and already being a hormonal teenager, you know, that didn't help. Right. And um, so uh, about a year later, I actually developed asthma. And, you know, of course, I wasn't sure I didn't relate that to, to what was going on emotionally. I didn't know what was going on there. I just just developed asthma. And, uh, you know, it's brutal. I, was, I played uh, three sports and and, uh, you know, I remember, you know, I coughed so hard, I'd throw up at the time until we got me on the actual asthma medication. We were figuring out what was going on. And um, how old were you at this point? At that time I was 14 wow. when I started having those issues. Yeah. I was 14 years old. Amazing. And, you know, I still hadn't really dealt with a lot of these issues. Dad and I didn't have any conversations about the divorce whatsoever, what was going on, you know, how pissed, how angry at him I was. I never expressed that to him. Um, I only pretty much got my mom's side and how upset she was. Did you ever, so, did you ever have a moment to, uh, think about why you were upset with him or around the divorce piece? Um, it wasn't until I was probably 17, 18 that I, I was realizing because I'd go see him in, in summer break and Christmas break, I would realize, you know, Christmas time, I would get this just deep depression. And I used to, I realized, man, that's cause I used to love Christmas. It was my favorite time of year. And I struggled with that until my late 20s, actually. It almost uh, broke up my relationship with my now wife. We weren't married yet. We were dating. Really? uh, Because of how deep in that I was. Um, I wasn't being very nice to her or saying very nice things. And it took some ownership in my part, and I'll get to that part later, uh, to, to say, oh, okay, this is something I have not dealt with on my end with my father, and it's not fair to project that onto her. Right. Yeah. So it was a realization of like, okay, I'm really, okay, this is what it is. It's an anger at him. And it wasn't until, like I said, I was probably 17, 18 years old, years of age that I realized how angry I was at him. And then when I started to realize I was really angry at myself 
You know, what could I have done different to save the marriage? What could I do for something different to happen? And I remember it was like, you know, my mom finally saying like, you know, your dad and I are never getting together, Jonathan. It's not, it's not going to happen. And she wasn't saying it from a place of bitterness at the time. She was just, it was a place of acceptance. So this is what it was. And I was like, and I I remember that and it just kind of looked down and was, that really hit me hard. And then I got to really look at, you know, okay, can I accept this and move on? And does this have to look this way? Um, and I struggled with that for years, especially like when it came to dating, I really struggled with commitment, you know, things had to look a certain way, be perfect, this, that, and the other. So I think my longest relationship before Kirsten, my wife was actually a little over nine months. That was my longest one. I probably only had about three girlfriends. So I did a lot of dating and messing around and that kind of stuff. I just didn't, uh, I just really struggled with commitment. Did you find yourself just kind of picking these people apart in terms of perfectionism or what? Yep. That was exactly it. Um, even my wife, she was uh, previously married and was separated when we started dating. And I thought, well, this will be fun, but I'm not going to marry somebody who's been married before mm-hmm. because of the energy I had and my parents and my dad being, uh, my dad's now been married four times. Um, and so, uh, you know, I put a lot of energy on that and instead of separating it going, okay, that's his journey. And that's my mother's journey. This is my journey. I basically for a while said either I'm not getting married or they have to cross all these things off a list and be perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dang, that's a lot of pressure to put on them. And I didn't realize that I was actually putting that much pressure on myself right. in order to live this so-called perfect life. And I was like, man, can you expect yourself to live up to that, Jonathan? I don't think so. That is not fair to them. It's not fair to you. And so in doing so, um, you know, I really got to take a look at, man, you haven't let some things go that are really getting in the way of your relationships. And so I guess we're talking about this now. That's fine with me. <laughs> um, let's so, dive in, man. Let's dive in. Let's so basically it. I was uh, 27 when this happened, I think with my wife, 28. And then, so I had this conversation with my dad that, that Christmas, my wife went back home um, when we were dating and I told my dad, I remember finally I, I got to be the one to bring it up and I had the conversation with him. And I was like, you know, dad, um, I just got to let you know, like I struggle with Christmas time because, and here's why just laid it all out for him. Like, you know, it, it reminds me of the, the great times I had when I was a kid and then I don't get to have those same times anymore. And I know I get to create a new one for myself, but I'm just struggling with it. And you know, I was like, we never talked about the divorce. Um, it's, it's interfering with my relationships and especially with women and Kirsten, who I really, I really like her, I really dig her. And I might have screwed that up and it's, it's interfering with, with that. Cause I haven't resolved this yet. And then he goes like, the first thing he got, he says is Jonathan, there's not a day goes by. I don't, I don't regret what happened between my mom, you know, between your mom and, and me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, we just had a really open conversation for him. It was like this breath of fresh air. Like, finally I can talk about it yet. He was waiting for me to make the first step. So he wasn't resistant at all. He was, he was no. just kind of waiting on you. No. Yeah. He would tell me stories about him, him just being in tears every other day about what happened. And, you know, he could pick up that I was angry at him yet. We just didn't talk about it. He was kind of waiting for me to get there, I guess. And, um, we just had this amazing conversation back and forth about being open about relationships and forgiveness. And, you know, that was actually a big win I had doing that uh, 90 day leadership course PLD. I had him come, come into town for my graduation night and, uh, took him out to dinner and gave him a letter about of forgiveness. And I told him that, Hey, I forgive you for every, you know, all this for everything. And, uh, cause I didn't tell him that that night, you know, it was just, it was the start of a conversation. Sure. And that, that, uh, that night when my, or, uh, that weekend of my graduation of, uh, PLD of the leadership course was, was really momentous for me just to say, Hey, I forgive you. And I remember him just saying, man, this is the best night of my life. I, you know, this really means a lot. And I could tell a huge weight was lifted off of him mm-hmm. as it was me. And that of course helped me grow so much in my relationship with my wife and myself. And we'd been married for, for a number of years by that, by that time that would just helped us move on and continue to, to go deeper. Sure. Sure. Um, that, that relationship, that, that father son relationship is critical. I think in terms of building solid relationships with other people, um, I'm curious yeah. to know at what point in your life did you, uh, realize that you were carrying some programming, you know, some bad stories in your mind around from that? I mean, was this from the teenage years and you harbored it up into your twenties and then had that conversation or was it something that you, you know, yes. weren't, weren't made aware of until later in life? 
It was actually it was my teenage years. It was, uh, it was, you know, and it, for example, when I was 17, um, my mom remembers this conversation. I was like, mom, I'm just not, I'm feeling weird, man. Something's just not right. I don't have a lot of energy and you know, maybe I'm getting sick. And she goes, Oh honey, you're depressed. And I go, Oh, that's what it is. Oh, I thought <laughs> I was getting sick. You just show you how disconnected I was, you know, from, you know, like, you know, Hey, depression, that's something to take. You know, you might want to take that seriously, Jonathan, yeah, <laughs> but for I sure. don't want to be sick because that could interfere with my working out and my, and playing sports. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's how detached I was from that. And then I carried that into getting an ulcer when I was 22, you know, again, not moving through emotions that I was experiencing, not letting stuff go. Um, when I was, uh, uh, graduated college and a very, you know, girlfriend that I loved very deeply at the time we broke up and that was my way of dealing with it. I developed an ulcer and other digestive issues continue to happen throughout my twenties. And then um, that was one of the, the biggest ones was actually going to talk to my dad in my late 20s. Like I said, I was 27, 28, having that conversation with him. And then I was still having other issues. Uh, I didn't realize at the time I was addicted to caffeine. I was taking thermogenics daily uh, because I thought I needed that level of energy to get by. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that in, a, into, in addition to a couple cups of very strong coffee every day. And I was using that to essentially function. And then I started getting some violent muscle twitches, um, other flutters, things like that. Uh, It was, I was in, in more of a state of near depression or if not that, and found that a lot of that was from the inhalers and because of the caffeine and Mm -hmm. causing something called adrenal fatigue syndrome. Now, at at this point, had you connected the dots between that emotional repression and some of those physical manifestations that you were experiencing with your body? No, not yet. No, that wasn't until I I dove into some personal development work. Uh, A very dear friend of mine invited me for a year (laughs) uh, to do something called the uh, side basic. And I'm sure many of your listeners, you know, are, are familiar with that. Um, so doing some personal development work and I didn't really know what that was. I initially went in because I was like, my business is stagnant and I hadn't really put the common denominator on myself just yet. And I even remember, you know, saying yes to that. And I was, you know, also I'm, I'm preaching this version of health on the outside and on the inside, I'm a mess. Right. And so in doing the, uh, I remember the first day of the basic, I sat in there I sat there that, that full day on Friday going like, yep, yep. Oh, I've heard this stuff. Yep. Oh, I know this. I've heard this. <laughs> and I was like, this is good for everybody else in the class. This is probably good for them to hear. Yeah. This is a good review for me. And then <laughs> the next day, we, you know, it was a complete curveball. <laughs> <laughs> and then by the end of the weekend, you know, I, I found out, oh my gosh, I'm the common denominator. I, I'm the one that gets to take responsibility for changes that are going on with me. If I want something different to change, that's got to be up to me. And the issues I'm having with my health are because of decisions I've made and choices I've made. So I can beat myself up or I can start to look at how do I let go of these? How do I, how do I change these? And that's when I started diving into changing the mindset of how do I let things go? You know, so I became more aware of it. And then through my journey, um, you know, again, doing the leadership course, I got to really let things go. It was more about that course was more about me letting things go than learning new things for me. Mm-hmm. It was really letting the burdens of things and other people I was carrying go so that I could let some of the physiological stress go. So let's break that down just a little bit. So when you started talking about letting some of this stuff go, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously these are a lot of buzzword, uh, you know, kind of buzzwordy type things in the personal development world. And, and I yeah. guess, the interwebs at large, right? But what does it look like in practice to start to begin to let some of these programs, these, these negative stories and emotions go? Well, it was, uh, you know, great question. I remember specifically with the support of a lot of great people uh, on my team there, um, standing there and saying like, I had identified that a lot of the stress I was carrying also was I told myself that I needed to stay with my mom through the school year because she's legally blind and that uh, I needed to take care of her. And I had a couple of adults in my life that would say that too. And I didn't realize that was their own belief too, right? You know, like you have to take care of your mother kind sure. of thing. 
So that's what I told myself. And I never had that conversation with my mom up until that point, until I did that course. She's like, oh, honey, I, I never asked you to take care of me. You know, you know, I can find ways to take care of myself. But you didn't, I never said you had to take care of me. I was like, yeah, I know. I'm the one that told myself that. And so I carried that burden and I thought I was carrying her burdens with me for one mm. thing. And that burden of I've got to take care of her. So I've got to be strong. And when something's going on or she's she's uh, she's having a, uh, a breakdown, you know, or she's experiencing pain, I've got to be strong for her. And then I forgot to honor myself at that point in time, too. So that's when I just again, I just contributed to stuffing things down. And then, you know, realizing I was carrying my own burdens, too. I was carrying my own burdens of, of uh, um, again, having to be strong, having to be tough for people, having to be tough for myself. Um, you know, that's what strong men do. You know, all these stories that I told myself that mm-hmm. weren't true. Right. You know, that, that were basically about me uh, creating this image or this vision of myself as a man that I really wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so it was more about me becoming my true self or realizing who I truly was, you know, like, no, you're an emotional guy, man, (laughs) you know, and you are human. So you're going to have emotions and it's more than just anger and you can feel guilty and feel shameful and, and, uh, and honor that, that maybe you felt guilty about the divorce and you thought some part of that was your fault. And even though it wasn't and honor those things and start to, again, in that essence, let that go. Right. You know, realize, hey, that's not my fault. That's something, that's a story you made up that may have been or been right for you at the time, though it's not working anymore, clearly. Mm-hmm. So was it just a process of, you know, I guess, reaching out to some of these people that you had stories around and sort of getting their take on it and then allowing mm-hmm. that to sink in? Yeah, um, or was it, was it uh, you know, a lot of self-work before you even got to that point? It, it was. It was both. Um, I actually moved really fast. I found that um, when I became aware of things, I really want, wanted to, um, I don't want to say nip it in the bud, but I really wanted to, wanted to address it. You know, I realized things, things happen in layers, you know, and some of these was like ripping off a Band-Aid and it was like pulling off six layers of something. And, and other times it would be one or two. And I, yeah, I very much, that's, I mean, very much how I work too. That's how I also coach. I very much believe in action. So I don't, I've realized like, man, when I become aware of something, it's almost like, um, it's, it's so much more painful to just stay there and be aware of it than it is to do something about it. (laughs) And to the point where I just cannot stand it, you know, like, uh, I like to relate, relate it to, uh, you know, it's like, being aware that I'm sitting, you know, or we're sitting in our own filth, we're sitting in our, in our own poop. And then, you know, going like, you know, well, it's kind of squishy. And then <laughs> oh, I don't know if I, I am maybe, you know, it's kind of soft. And then, and then finally realizing, Oh, this stinks. I need to get this off me. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like, you know, if you don't move, it's like just sitting in it, just staying in it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's, that's such a great analogy. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm sure that uh, in your role as coach, you've dealt with people who are sitting in it. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think this, this is one of those things that people struggle with mightily, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very much, you know, identifying what, uh, what the pain is for them. What is it costing them? And not just staying there, though, because that's how we, we get them moving. Like, okay, yes, this is painful. Okay, now I'm aware I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in poop. I'm, I'm aware that I'm sitting in something that stinks. Okay, now what do I really want? What's my vision for myself? What do I really want to focus on and create clarity and purpose in my life for? And now I'll go take action. And that's how we get it, get it off of us or get out of the poop. You know, that's, that's how we go do that. So it it cannot happen without action. You know, it's not the, uh, it's not the secret, you know, the secret only captured part of it, have a vision, focus on it. Well, guess what? Now you get to go do now that you know what you want and you want something different. You don't just get there, get to sit there and think about it and hope it comes to you. Yeah. You said something key a moment ago that I think is, is probably, you know, one of the most important things anyone can do. And that is to realize what it's costing you. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, once you get to that point, you realize what it's costing you. It's, it comes down to trading that in for, you know, what you really want to create and then not equivocating about the price, you know, and uh, I'm curious as to, you know, in your interactions with yourself and your interactions with your clients, um, is there, is this something that you make aware through a specific process or is this something that you sort of stair step them through 
through many iterations of working with them over time. Because, you know, when you're telling your story, you're like, look, you know, as soon as I get it, I'm like on it. But one thing I found about a lot of folks is, you know, they're comfortable sitting there and wallowing in that because that's all that they know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great question. It's very much my process is I will meet you where you are as long as you are coachable and you think big, you're a big thinker, meaning you, you think that the world and the things you have to offer, there's something bigger than where you are now and bigger for yourself than maybe you haven't realized just yet. And that they're also committed to their growth. So through those things, I can meet somebody where they are. And then it is a matter of, I mean, yes, I have a program. I I have an actual 10 step program with these things all overlap and I use them as teaching tools. However, yeah, you know, the first thing is we look at identifying what is it costing you? What are the prices that you're paying? You know, what does the pain actually look like? And do you want to move now that you know what it is? Great. Now that you do, again, what is the vision that you have for yourself? Like, what do you really want? So in other words, like perfect example, somebody wants better health. I want to shed 50 pounds and I have kids and I'm not able to get on the floor to play with them. My knees hurt. My back hurts. It sucks. Whenever we go to the zoo, I have to stop. I have to sit on a bench um, because my energy is not very good and my knees hurt and I can watch them from afar, uh, or when we're on vacation, I can enjoy only a portion of it every day because I'm exhausted after that, and I'm not able to enjoy my kids, my grandkids, whatever, fully, for instance, you know, capture, that's a real pain point for somebody, because that's okay, what's your, what's, what maybe is one of your most important values, because that's another part we develop is, or identify is what are your core values, mm-hmm. and that might really uh, be true for somebody that has relationships or family as one of their top values. So it's costing them that value. So that's why they're in more pain. And I've learned is when we are in overwhelm or we're, we're overwhelmed, we have too many things, feel like we have too many things going on and we're angry about something or we're um, not in integrity with ourselves, meaning like I'm doing something yet. I know I'm not doing something that I really want to do. It's because we are not honoring, we are not aligned with our core values mm-hmm. and that's what's going on here. So then it's like, okay, so that's the pain it's causing you. So in order to want something more, what is that? Paint me a picture, you know? Oh, okay. So you see yourself at Disneyland with your kids or your grandkids and you're doing the rides with them and you're playing with them. You're playing hide and seek and playing tag with your kids. You're on the floor wrestling with them and you know, you're getting right down there with them and you're enjoying every moment without having to miss it because of your energy or you're exhausted um, or you have to take meds or something like that, you know, for instance. Sure. So it's fulfilling what they really want. What do you and th- there's so much more power in that. So that's the first thing, really getting in and identifying what that actually is for the person. And then it's take action immediately because there's emotion that usually comes up with people. You know, they feel that. So now we take action. We don't just talk about it. Okay, what action are you going to do in the next 48 hours to support that? That's a that's a popular one I use. That's one I use often. I love that, man. Get them moving quickly, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So what are, what are you finding when you're dealing with people? What are you finding some of the biggest costs uh, people are paying, you know, to sit and wallow in this filth as, uh, you know, to kind of use your terminology? Um, oh, yeah. Um, you know, what are some of the dreams. things that they're giving up, you know, that they could they're, be experiencing? Their dreams, their life, their career, their uh, the relationship, the relationship, man, woman, whatever, their dream, partner of their dreams, their a relationship with themselves, uh, their their vision. Ultimately, um, very smart man told me one time. He said, "If we have not realized our dreams, we're not realizing our goals and dreams. We are we are a victim to our beliefs and our thoughts. At some level, we're a victim. Even those of us that that are seemingly." successful, we are still a victim at some level, mm-hmm. you know? And I sat with that and was like, dang it. holes <laughs> in that. And it was just like, okay, now that wasn't a way to beat, beat our, you know, he didn't deliver it as a way to beat ourselves up. It was just more of a, huh? Okay. Got it. So, so what now? What, all right, what am I going to do with that? Sure. What am I going to do moving forward? And so, um, yeah, those prices really do, 
cost us, you know, I know you've heard this one a lot, you know, the opposite of love is apathy, not hate. But mm-hmm. oftentimes that's how it shows up in a relationship with ourselves. We're not necessarily talking about with other people. Right. Sometimes when we just, you know, we don't love ourselves, that's what that looks like. That's a it's, big, we just kind of yeah. stay here. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's a big thing to carry, I think, or a big thing to realize for a lot of people. I mean, when you use the V word, right, the victim word, yeah. that's that's something that no one wants to be and no one wants to be considered by other people. And so sure. to to sit and label yourself that or realize that you are living, <clears throat> excuse me, from victimhood, you know, I mm-hmm. think that takes a lot of strength and courage and vulnerability. Right. Yeah. It, it does. Yeah. It does. It takes a lot of courage. Um, and especially when it's either you've, you've lost all momentum or it's been a while since we've looked at this or it's the first time. Um, and I know we're going to get to this. I mean, that was me back in, uh, 20, you know, basically 2016, 2017. Um, and I don't know if you want to talk about that story just yet. We can get to that, but, uh, that was, um, um, I, I'll, yeah, I'll go ahead and use that example. Um, sure. I was in my, I was in my first bodybuilding show. I, uh, my wife was pregnant. Um, it was an amazing actually experience. I went away to a men's leadership conference, uh, MLS and, and, uh, I went there to, you know, I want to be this big leader and change more lives and this, that, and the other. And then I came away going like, Oh my gosh, I want to be a dad. And I got to put <laughs> more stuff to bed there, which was like, okay, let some of the stuff go that you're not going to be a perfect dad. You know, you're not going to be your dad. You're not going to mess it up. You know, something like that. There was a lot of energy I had on it or a lot of issues I had with myself that I didn't realize at the time. And so I got really clear, like, I want to be a dad. Came home, shared that with my wife. Her eyes lit up. We we're like, okay, let's do this. Um, and uh, yeah, it happened in one weekend in Vegas. Um, so that was that was easy. And uh, <laughs> my daughter, I like to joke, my daughter was very clear. Like, you know, no, I'm coming. You guys just get ready. Right. And um uh, <laughs> So I was doing my first bodybuilding show that year, that summer, it was August of 2015. My wife was pregnant as of late April that year. And um, we had a conditional offer on our house and a conditional offer or on our condo and a conditional offer we placed on another house on the condo selling. Now the condition on the condo was there's an HOA special assessment and we had 41 showings, 40 people did not put an offer down. We were like, what is going on? It was because of the HOA thing. So we got them nailed down. My wife actually did, got them nailed down. You know, my pregnant wife, and if you know my wife, she definitely, she sets her mind to something, it's done. And, uh, you know, being pregnant, I think helps too. She goes into one of the meetings and says, okay, so is it going to be more than this, less than this amount? How much is this going to cost? And a special assessment basically means, the price of the HOA may go up in order to fix something, roof, right. new siding, plumbing, whatever. Right. Of course. So, and anything that they're responsible for. Exactly. So we don't know how much more that's going to cost. So of course that's scaring people because like, I don't know if that's going to be another 200 bucks a month or 800 bucks a month. So my wife gets this guy saying it won't be more than 250 bucks a month. She should go, okay, I have all these witnesses that just heard you say that in this room. So I can say it won't be more than 250 bucks and I've got it recorded on my phone. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So uh, anyway, so we're able to get that through, manage to sell the condo um, and manage to get the, uh, get the house we wanted. And all this stuff added up to a lot of stress because there's a lot of getting the condo ready. Um, and uh, it was a very stressful time. And my wife was seven and a half months pregnant when she developed preeclampsia, which is an occlusion of one of the arteries that goes through the umbilical cord uh, from the placenta to the umbilical cord to the fetus. And there's usually an occlusion. And so one of her arteries, that's what happened. And that backed up or causes the blood pressure in the mother to spike. And Mm -hmm. so my wife had numbers in the 190s over 130s. And she went on some pretty heavy meds and gave birth to my daughter um, a little less than a week later. And my daughter came to us six and a half weeks early. Wow. And she was born three pounds, five ounces. Wow. So she went in to stay at the NICU for a month and they were amazing. NICU nurses are phenomenal. Um, I always am thankful for them every day. And my, uh, my wife and I were just, I mean, we were so happy that she was happy, she was healthy. And, uh, well, they ran some tests and found she had not developed a corpus callosum. That's the, the, uh, 
structure that develops the left and right brain hemispheres. And right. so there's a certain risk of seizures. So there is this fear that went around that and this feeling of helplessness. And again, it came back to that letting go for me. And I just was like, no, you know, she's supposed to be healthy. And instead of just trusting in that, I kind of obsessed about it. And then I shoved all that stress down once again, while my wife was experiencing it and crying nearly every day about it. And I remember that Thanksgiving, my, my little one, uh, Nia, was in the NICU still. We were going to some friends for Thanksgiving. We had a ton of support, which I'm so thankful for. And I got um, just hammered. I remember I got, I got really drunk that night, got really sick, because um, I just wasn't sure how to deal with that again at that time. Um, I wasn't quite ready to let go. I was stressed. I didn't have my other family member with us for Thanksgiving, my new baby, you know, my new mm -hmm. daughter. Right. And um, I basically crawled into kind of a hole there for about a year or so. I just didn't know how to handle it. You know, it was a combination of certainly when our daughter came home with us after a month, it was, you know, the lack of sleep and adjusting to having a new child. And, and you know, all the while, I didn't really deal with a lot of the other stress that had just occurred in 2015. You know, I just kind of just kind of stuffed it down because I it was so new to me, too. Right. And I was like, is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this normal? And I was like, this can't be normal because it doesn't feel normal. And I finally really looked at, you just haven't let this stuff go, man. And that's, that's been a journey of mine is to let that go, you know, and, and recommit. And I, I kind of got stuck, you know, back in that place, like a lot of people get where I get stuck in that muck or get stuck in the poop mm -hmm. and wasn't sure how to get out and wasn't sure if I was allowed to get out. It wasn't sure I was allowing myself to get out. And uh, so I took some massive action, you know, that was going back and doing some volunteer work helping working with other people, um, again, letting some stuff go on the inside. Okay. You haven't really acknowledged all this emotionally, Jonathan, let some of this go. Um, and I, you know, of course they started experiencing some other health stuff, some physiological issues again. It's like, well, of course, because you're stuffing it down again. Right. So and then I, uh, I, I decided to commit to doing another bodybuilding show. I built some good muscle. Those, those over those two, two and a half years and really committed and grabbed a ton of support a uh, ton of leverage and uh, my wife and my, my daughter to thank so much for that. And a lot of people to thank for that, put all my work into said, I'm going to put all this out there on the stage. I'm going to really practice my posing, really, really go forth my best foot. And I ended up winning the show. I won my, I won my class and won the division. And, you know, I don't get to control who shows up, who I compete against, though I get to control how I show up. Exactly. And, and I had so much fun that day and I just showed up so big and I was just ready to go. And I, I remember leading up to the show, I started wondering, what if you committed like this to all the other areas of your life, John? What if you quit playing small in your career? Not, I'm not saying personal training is small because I've been doing that for about 19 years. But for me, that's something I've been kind of letting go of more and more and more this year as I'm growing more into coaching. And for me, that's playing a bigger game and enabling me to reach more people and to help change and transform more people's lives with their mindsets. And I basically got to take a look at that and, and said, how can I show up that way as a husband and a father too? And if I'm going to coach people and showing up this way, especially according to their values and their pain, then I get to honor the prices I was paying. What was my pain? You know? My pain was letting go, experiencing things physically, and other people have some of those same issues, I know, you know, because they don't let things go or they're holding on to anxiety of something they cannot control. And it shows up with asthma or, you know, uh, panic attacks or what have you. So how can I work with people that want to let these things go and don't want this anymore and want a different way of thinking and a way of being, a way of living? And... So I started to apply that more and more for myself and things have really been growing uh, substantially for me. It's been really exciting. It's been a really great time for this as I'm kind of leveling up in my life as I've just, it just sort of opened my eyes in that success, you know, that I had at the show. You know, a lot of times we say, you know, there's more, you know, we learn more in our failures and our mistakes. Well, in this case, I'd made quite a few of those. <laughs> and I also got to learn so much from the success because it basically just proved, I got to prove to myself what this looks like if I commit like this. To mm -hmm. this so when you were going into the show and experiencing, this was at the same time you're experiencing the, the difficulty and the emotion around the, the uh, diagnosis with your daughter. Is that correct? 
it, it was. We pretty much laid that to rest. I'm sorry I did not uh, put a bow on that. Actually, uh, my daughter is perfectly healthy. The the um, gift of her having that diagnosis was it got a speech therapy and it got her physical therapy and it got her caught up to other kids her age because being a preemie, you know, usually they're, they get a little bit behind because, man, they're just they're just focused on gaining weight at that point. Sure. Yeah. She's born fighting. Yeah. Right. And so uh, she got caught up and then and then some. And uh, we got some other tests done at Children's Hospital here in Denver. And, uh, you know, like, hey, she's yeah, you can keep keep an eye on it. They said but she's not showing any signs at all of anything, anything with her brain, behavior, uh, seizures, anything to be concerned about. They're like, you're good. That's amazing. And so, yeah, she's our little blessing and, and, uh, probably my best teacher actually. too. <laughs> That's fantastic, brother. So yeah. when you were, when you were leading up to the show, it sounded like, and I could have, I could have misinterpreted what you're saying, but it sounded like you were dealing with some stressors leading up to the show. And, uh, yeah. you, you sort of had to make a conscious effort to focus in on what you wanted to create around that. Is that what was going on? Or was this just a constant, a natural consequence of your work ethic? No, this was, uh, this was, I had to be very conscious about it of, of, of saying, I don't really have any other direction right now, other than being, um, the best dad I can be the best husband I can be for what it is. Knowing that I have a bigger vision, I was putting that vision on hold of helping people, supporting people, helping transform lives. I was pretty much putting it on hold because I was waiting for it to look a certain way, I see. whether that was my daughter being older or me having a realization of, of this or the right person talking to me. So I was kind of doing that thing I said earlier about like the secret, you know, mm -hmm. like just saying like, I want this and then being up being upset, like, well, why don't I have it kind of a thing? Right. Instead of going out and getting it. So you and were, you were basically a victim of your own expectations at this point. I was. I was. And, you know, it, that's what it takes to create any momentum. It takes, you know, it takes more effort. I mean, we know this one, right? But it's still good to talk about it, you know, to get a rock moving. I, I liken this because we just went to Disney World uh, last month and at Magic Kingdom, they have this big rock that sits out in, I think it's Future World. <laughs> and um, it, it's in the shape of the earth and it's a big stone rock and there's water that goes over it. And the kids love to get their hands wet and get on the water, but you can push that, but it takes so much more efforts to get it moving, of course. And then once you get it moving, the kids like to spin it in different directions or up or left or right. And once it gets moving, you can just move it so much more simply than it takes to get it moving. So creating momentum often takes that massive action or a massive step. And sometimes a massive step is just the realization of like, I am sick and tired of where my health is, or I'm sick and tired of where my relationships are, or where my career is. And now that I know what it is, I'm hiring a coach or hiring, or having a mentor or having support help keep me accountable. And I'm going to take this step. Even if it seems like one small step, I'm taking a step that can still be massive action. Because if you compare that to where you were before, where you weren't doing much of anything, that's a lot more than you were doing before. Yeah, for sure. It seems like a lot of times when I'm talking to people who want to create something large and huge and, you know, like you were talking about your big vision that turned into being a father, right? Like, uh, right. it's easy yeah. to look, you know, 10 miles down the road and see the thing that you want, but all you can yep. control is that next step that you got to take. You got to look at your feet and take that next step. Right. And sometimes when you're looking too far ahead, it can seem overwhelming, you know, it can can basically beat you down and create a depression or a resistance in terms of moving toward that thing. Right. But it sounds like, yeah. it sounds like you're the type of guy that like, uh, when you, when you set your mind to something, man, you just step and you step and you step and you step. And this is interesting right. to me because, uh, you know, you described yourself earlier as being, you know, a young man coming from a military household where emotions were, you know, second class citizens, if you will. Yeah. But, but as I listen to you <laughs> speak and I listen to your story, you know, you've evolved into this person who is, you know, very self-aware, was probably emotional all along, uh, mm -hmm. but is now unafraid to share that. And I'm just curious, man, if there was a trigger at some point between young you and now you that created that for you. Mm, you know what? Um, probably a number of them, actually. I've done a lot of other... Uh, things, other meditations and other, uh, things outside of Psy as well. And, uh, yes, actually I, I was talking to you a little bit earlier, Jason, about the, um, mankind project. Yes. Uh, of course that I did. 
Um, and I don't know how woo woo you want to get on this. Let's get woo woo, um, man. Let's go crazy. I'll go, I'll go there with you. So let's do it. Uh, this was an experience I had through again another friend of mine who who does a lot of um, um, spiritual coaching. I'll put it that way, and said, "Hey, maybe you should visit my friend um, who is a she's Native American, and and uh, she's you kind of intuits or work with what works with whatever she picks up with you." And I said, "Okay, why not?" So I go see her because I was kind of like, "What's next?" And that was kind of my intention when I went in to see her. And she saw me basically taking this class that I ended up taking, which was the Mankind Project. Uh, they call it New Warrior Training. And um, she said, you're going to have an experience that's going to essentially let some things, not just let some things go, but things will make sense to you from your past that will also align and, and better suit where you're headed. And, and I'm, I'm simplifying. I could really go into detail here. She was, uh, you know, we talk, got to talking about ancestors and had the experience I was having, feeling them around me and that kind of a thing. Uh, it was, you know, very intense, very, mo- very emotional, too. And just to make a long story short, when I did this class and the way she was seeing it, it ended up being exactly where I went to do this class. And then I ended up going to Massachusetts to actually do this class. And which is where my mom's side of the family's family is from. And I hadn't really gone back there or checked out any of the family history or ancestry. That was an interesting opportunity for me to do that. And during this course, I got to do some uh, things that allowed me to dive into my ancestry and spiritual past when I did this course that, uh, man, I just, I just, it's hard to describe. I had a, I had a deep connection to my ancestors, my ancestry, and basically to make a long story short again, to who I was or who I am as a person, who I am as a man. Mm-hmm. It was like that a safe yet powerful initiation to who I really am as a man rather than what we often experience in college or high school or fraternities, you know, going, you know, drinking, you know, getting so drunk until we're blind and nailing every piece of tail we could find, you know, this was a healthy initiation into what really was. And that's mm-hmm. the best way I could describe it. And it enabled me to really make peace with, the younger me or at a different level, at least of younger me with adult me. And it was sort of like connected that passage for me. Beautiful. Beautiful. So and was, yeah. so was yeah. this, was this one of those uh, moments where you uh, were shown yourself? Is that what you're, is that what you're kind of getting at here or yeah. Was, yeah, some, it was, it was, it was a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it's uh it was, I was showing myself at a very spiritual level. And like I said, some people may listen to this and be like, what is he talking about? I can only tell you that this is my experience. Right. I'm not saying right or wrong or everybody could have that experience. I can, all I can tell you is after this experience, I felt more myself than I ever had before. So for the people who are, you know, on the fence with the spiritual stuff, let's just define for them what you mean as spiritual, because a lot of people have a different interpretation of what that word means. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I grew up uh, in a, a Christian household, um, though to me, spiritual spirituality and religion are, are two different things. You know, religion is to me is more doctrine, what mankind will say. Spirituality, in my definition, is a connection to something more than me, um, a connection to um, other humans, you know, to other people, other things that's bigger than me or a greater power than me that I may not necessarily understand. Mm-hmm. And I guess the best way, because I think most people have had the experience of how did I know to do that? Right. Or, you know, or a guy say like, I felt my gut to do this, or you say my intuition told me to do this. Well, where does that come from? Mm-hmm. You know, that has to come from somewhere. So that's, that's kind of my argument for that. Um, but it is a, an experience that, um, is something much greater than ourselves. Absolutely. And I have the belief that we're all connected, interconnected, interwoven. What I do will somehow inherently affect you in some, in some fashion and vice versa. Right. Yeah. We're all part of the same cosmic dust, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I know that, uh, I know that you have a hard out coming up and there's a lot of stuff that uh, we're not going to have a chance to get into. But um, sure. I wanted to at least fast forward us to the point. Um, I want to learn a little bit more about what you're doing coaching wise. Um, mm-hmm. You had, you obviously described yourself as a transformational coach. I want you to tell us a little bit about that 
and then we're going to wind this, wind this, wind this thing up here shortly. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, so people I, I work with and, and are, are typically, uh, again, they're, um, they're coachable. They're big thinkers. They want change in their life. They're, they're again, the pain that, that they're having or the cost that they have going on in their lives is, is more than they want. And, um, that doesn't mean that they're not able to improve on something that's like, Hey, out on one, on a scale of one to 10, you know, I'm at an eight, you know, on my career. Well, would you like to get it to a 10? Perfect. Transforming means you cannot go back to the way things were. When we become aware of, and I show them how to become aware of, this is why your knee hurts, your back hurts, or why your energy is what it is. And this is why it's costing you business. For instance, because you're not able to follow up with clients, you're not making that extra phone call or a couple phone calls a day that you need to to make that extra sale, for instance, that could cost you your dreams. And then we dig into why, where that comes from. So mm-hmm. the transformation oftentimes comes from this is a past experience I'm having that relates to a story I made up, you know, just like my experience I had with my father when I was 13 how that impacted my life later in life. Somebody else can maybe relate to some other experience they had with their dad or their mom or themselves or their aunts or their whatever mm-hmm. in their life that is now impacting their life today so that they can look at this, make peace with that side of their self so they can let that go. So like somebody has eating habits, for instance, and personal growth. And I see this all the time in personal growth. People will like, we will get, we'll get that. Oh, you know, I I'm addressing my, my living beliefs and my programs or whatever you want to call them. And yet I cannot lose weight or I cannot get rid of this fat or my, or my, my physical self is just not in a good place. You know, I'm just, I just don't feel good. And we don't look at where the eating habits come from or where do my habits or my thoughts about my body come from? Instead, we get tied up into, I'm going to do the latest um, diet fad, right? You know, I'm going to do this, uh, eat, eat this, uh, you know, what is it? The one meal a day thing. You probably mm-hmm. saw that online. You've probably oh yeah, seen that. for sure. Yeah. You know, the one, one meal a day thing, and I'm going to do this and do that. And honestly, how can you transform yourself if you're going to skip, you know, steps B through Y, you know, if it takes going from A to Z and hitting A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Y, and it's a step, another step and another step. How can you possibly have a lifestyle change if you think you can skip all those steps? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it are taught or or think we can do that. We just do this one little thing here, everything will be fixed. And if you want to transform, you want a lifestyle change. You don't want a new habit. A habit we talk about all the time is, you know, you build a new habit in 21 days or even as much as six weeks. Yet we've been thinking, doing, acting a certain way for 25 years, 30 years, 50 years. So how can I expect all that to change just in 21 days if I've got some work to do there? Right. So, so that's that's why it takes, you know, transformational, in my opinion, transformational coaching or transforming so that we can have that growth, have those changes and not look back so mm-hmm. that we're not having the same thing come back and haunt us over and over and over again. So you can have more energy, have more clarity, have less pain and have more of what you want, have your dreams, have your goals, have that experience with your kids, your family, you know, success in business, um, a great, healthy, supportive relationship. Dude, that's so powerful the way that you frame that around transformation and not being able to go back. And Mm -hmm. I wish I had a little more time to dive down that rabbit hole. But in the case of your businessman, what does success look like for you at this point in your life? Yeah, thanks for asking that. I am. Um, so you're asking me for what I what I what I want, what I'm going for. Sure. Okay. So I um, I currently work with people basically over the phone uh, for coaching, and then I also have another program in person here in the Denver area that I call Mind Body Transform. It's a class, and it's a uh, about a hundred day long class, so that can be transformative. And we talk about those things I was bringing up earlier. And it's not just me lecturing to you, it's you actually supporting yourself and having experiences of what's not working for you. You know, again, what's the pain, you know, what hurts? Mm -hmm. Um, And then also having experiences of winning so that I can put those wins in place and have more what I want, have that clarity of my purpose and my vision, um, have my physical body function and support me so that I can enjoy my kids, enjoy my life, enjoy freedom, you know, enjoy vacation. 
mm-hmm. and not take a halfcation. Um, those are the two things I'm, I'm mainly focusing on. Uh, I am going to have an online program uh, here very soon, actually this month that I'm going to kick off as well. I'm really excited to bring that out. That'll have uh, videos that people can follow along and, and follow along on the steps. And they'll have assignments and action steps they can take that'll make sense. And just like anything, if it's kind of a do-it-yourself program like that, you know, you'll get in what you, uh, you'll get out of it what you put into it. Of course. So, uh, you know, working with me though, um, I can certainly say it's been a blessing. I learned just as much as my, my people do. I learned something every time I have a coaching call, um, cause I'm still growing too. And, um, you know, it's, it's, that's what it's about too. I think it's about us all growing together and all being the best and becoming the best versions of ourselves. And that's the kind of stuff that just gets me excited, you know, and I have coaches too. I don't have it all figured out. I have two coaches. actually. (laughs) I love that, man. I love it. I appreciate that. So before I ask my last question, tell these folks where they can get in touch with you. Sure. You can get in touch with me uh, on J. uh, My email is J as in John L as in Larry V as in Victor blaze, B L A Z E at gmail.com. My website is mindbodytransform.com. And you can also message me on Facebook uh, via Facebook Messenger. And you can just find me on Facebook, Jonathan Van Arsdale, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. Van Arsdale is a V-A-N space A-R-S-D-A-L-E. Fantastic. All right, guys, I know that you can uh, sense the value that Jonathan can bring to your life. So get on that. And my last question for you, brother, is always the same. And that is, what does wellness mean to you? Mm, wellness to me is a is a holistic feeling. Wellness is I am in touch with myself. I am at a as much as a 10 or close to a 10 that I can create for myself right now with my physical self. So with my strength, my balance, my cardiovascular endurance, my uh, flexibility and in my social and my spiritual lives. So that's my community, my friends, my relationships. And then also, what's my spiritual connection? How am I contributing to make this planet better? Mm, mm, Powerful stuff. So all of those things working together. I love it, my friend. Hey, man, I want to thank you so much for taking time out today. I really appreciate what you had to bring to the table today, guys. I know all of you guys listening can sense the value that Jonathan's going to bring. He's got great energy. He's got great results. And he's looking to help you create the same. So on behalf of Jonathan and myself, guys, be sure and check him out. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing. And by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike. And if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com or pick me up on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.